Hey, uh, Son of Kish and Saul, two different people. Yo, 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 welcome to the Merge Scriptura podcast. Uh, today we are on the final uh, cycle of the Northern Book of Judges. The final cycle. Yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. Uh, anywho, need some water. All right. <clears throat> That's better. Uh, what was I talking about? Uh, Saul, final, final cycle. Uh, very exciting. Going to be going over the whole explanation of the uh, descendants of Jonathan trying to establish a kingship over all Israel. Uh, which I've uh, talked about in previous uh, cycles. So this is going to be explaining all of that. And um, not sure if N was uh, very successful. Uh, we um, don't really hear much about Jonathan after this narrative. The Yahweh is going to come in and, and tie him into David, uh, which I'll talk to him about in a little bit. But before we get started, let me go over a few ground rules for uh, any new listeners that might be listening. Uh, mere reading is a method of reconstructing the situations that the biblical authors were responding to. This is done by reflecting some of the text, like when I say, Boop, that's the wrong paper. Boy, I'm really off my game today. I actually um, started, uh, I recorded like the first part of this and realized I wasn't recording again. There it is. Here's the right one. All right, mere reading is a method of reconstructing the situations that the biblical authors were responding to. This is done by reflecting some of the text, like when I say, Jonathan was not the son of Saul. That is what the opposing narrative was saying, and the biblical uh, text is arguing against that. Be sure to check out the corresponding blog post for this episode so you can see how I come up with these crazy ideas. There is a link to it in the show notes. If you haven't already, please listen to the introduction episode for this series so that you know what the hell I'm talking about. All right, moving along here, let, uh, let me highlight some of the differences that are going to be added later by other sources and authors and redactors. Uh, most of it's going to have to do with David. A lot of Davidic stuff is just not in N, and David hasn't come along yet. So uh, N is uh, concerned with uh, pushing Saul and Jonathan and the Awas or whoever is going to come later and tie David into the whole situation. And we really don't hear anything more about Jonathan, so maybe he wasn't uh, successful at establishing a kingship over Israel, or maybe it was just very short. Also, Samuel's rejection does not take place here, obviously, because Saul is viewed as a good king for the most part and does bash on him a little bit because he has to in order to promote uh, Jonathan. Uh, primary concerns. Uh, Saul cycle is primarily concerned with promoting the descendants of Jonathan over all of Israel, forming strong uh, Israelite military force and showing that Yahweh was Israel's God. All right, causal, causal connections. If you want to see the details on this, be sure to check out the corresponding blog post. Uh, it is a beautiful uh, causal connection, uh, causal uh, structure, and it has uh, 27 points and it uh, strings everything together. It's very beautiful. You should uh, look into it. So, um, 
I'll just go over uh, briefly here. The descendants of Jonathan should not uh, be king over all, all Israel. And the main points were uh, because John, Jonathan was not the son of Saul. So ends are going to be splicing Saul into Jonathan's uh, line. So the, uh, I think... I think that Saul was probably an Ephraimite uh, originally, and so that would make sense because Ephraim was the uh, kind of the head tribe there for a while, and N is trying to shift that over to Benjamin uh, because Benjamin is a tribe that Jonathan is from, and so Kish uh, is the uh, also from Benj- uh, Benjamin. I think he is uh, from the line of Jonathan as well, and so uh, N is going to splice Saul between Kish and Jonathan. And so that Jonathan has some precedence of being a king over Israel. Uh, Some other reasons, uh, because Samuel never anointed Saul to be king. So that's all going to take place in secret. Uh, That will be end's explanation for that. And because uh, uh, Saul was not uh, king over all of uh, Israel. So that's going to be one of the criticisms. Uh, even if Jonathan was a son of Saul, it doesn't mean that Jonathan should be king over all of Israel because Saul was not king over all of Israel. Uh, so that is briefly some of the argumentation that um, that N was, uh, the opposing narrative was making and that N is responding to, uh, which I will highlight in detail as I go through the text now. All right, we're going to be starting at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. There was a man of Benjamin whose name was Kish, son of Abiel, son of Zeor, son of Bekorath, son of Aphia, a Benjaminite, a man of wealth. All right, so Anne's really going to be pushing the tribe of Benjamin here. That's Saul, the king, and Jonathan, his son, is going to be from that tribe. And so this is going to uh, explain why why uh, the tribe of Benjamin should rule over the other tribes instead of the tribe of Ephraim, who was the, that was the tribe um, that was pushed in, um, pushed as ruling over the other tribes and the Alois source. So if you haven't checked out my Alois series, be sure to check that out. He had a son whose name was Saul. So here is the first instance of many instances where they're talking about how um, Saul is the son of Kish. A handsome young man. And here is the first instance of a few instances where uh, still the opposing narrative is saying, hey, uh, son of Kish and Saul, two different people. And uh, so Anne is going to be responding, responding to that by um, explaining that they were the same person. And so this is the first uh, shot at that. Uh, either either um, Saul or Son Kish was not a handsome man. And so Anne is, is saying that he was here. So c- combining that identity of Saul and Son of Kish as the same person. There was not a man among the people of Israel more handsome than he. He stood head and shoulders above everyone else. Now the donkeys of Kish, Saul's father, so Anna wants to make sure we know that Kish is uh, Saul's father, had strayed. So Kish said to his son, making sure we know it's his son, said to his son Saul, take one of the boys with you. Uh, In English it says boys, but... Saul or son of Kish, depending on your narrative, uh, was probably a teenager. So uh, even though he outranked this uh, servant by status, uh, it still provided Saul with some adult supervision. 
Go and look for the donkeys. He passed through the hill country of Ephraim. So this is N's way of, uh, if Saul was from Ephraim and people said that he came from Ephraim, this is uh, N's way of making that happen with Saul being a Benjaminite. So he was looking for his uh, he was looking for his, his donkeys and he just happened to pass through or he was looking, he was searching for them in the land of Ephraim. He wasn't from the land of Ephraim. He was just searching for his donkeys there. Uh, and passed through the land of Shalishah, but they did not find them. And they passed through the land of uh, Shalim, but they were not there. Then he passed through the land of Benjamin, but they did not find, but they did not find them. When they came to the land of Zuf, or Zuf, I don't know how you say it, Saul said to, to the boy who was with him, Let us turn back, or my father will stop worrying about the donkeys and worry about us. But he said to them, There is a man of Elohim in this town. He is a man held in honor. So, and we'll be equating Elohim with uh, Yahweh in his, uh, in his narrative once again. Whatever he says always comes true. Let us, so this is N's way, because Samuel is going to say that Saul is going to be king. So that's going to be, that's going to come true. And so will these signs for kings, for Saul's uh, uh, kingship, uh, validation of his, of his kingship. Uh, let us go there. Perhaps he will tell us about the, the journey on which we have set out. Then Saul replied to the boy, But if we go, what can we bring the man? For the bread in our sacks is gone, and there is no, no present to bring the man of Elohim. What have we? The boy answered Saul again, Here I have with me a quarter shekel of silver. I will give it to the man of Elohim to tell us our way. So this could be, uh, one of the criticisms could have been that Saul paid uh, Samuel or whoever it was to give him a, a, a good prophecy. Uh, whereas this, if it's if it's coming from his servant, then it's not really uh, Saul's not really paying him for a good prophetic word. Formerly in Israel, anyone who went to inquire of Elohim would say, "Come, let us go to the seer, for the one who is now called a prophet was formerly called a seer." So it looks uh, it appears in the opposing narrative that Samuel was considered a seer but Yahweh's uh, people they were considered prophets so there's this discrepancy between the two so in is combining the identities of both the seer and the prophet Saul said to the boy good come let us go so they went to, to the town where the god of Elohim was as they went up the hill to the town they met some girls coming out to draw water and said to them is the seer here they said yes he they Yes, there he is just ahead of you. Hurry, he has come uh, just now to the town because the people have a sacrifice today at the shrine. As soon as you enter the town, you will find him before he goes up to the shrine to eat. For the people will not eat until he comes. Uh, so this, there's the opposing narrative has some criticisms uh, of Saul saying, one, again, addressing the whole seer. It was a seer, not a prophet. And so... And it's going to be making sure that people know that the seer was Samuel. And two, there's some question about whether Saul ate uh, ate with this this crowd uh, the, with the with the sacrifice. And so, and going to be addressing that as well. Since he must bless the sacrifice, afterward those eat who are invited. Again, make sure Saul is eating with them. Now go up, for you will meet him immediately. 
So they went up to the town. As they were entering the town, they saw Samuel coming out toward them on his way up to the shrine. Then Saul approached Samuel inside the gate and said, Tell me, please, where is the house of the seer? Samuel answered, I am the seer. Okay, so validating that uh, Samuel is the seer. Go up before me to the shrine, for today you will eat with me, making sure that everyone knows that Saul ate with them. Uh, and in the morning I will let you go and will tell you all that is on your mind. As for the donkeys that were lost three days ago, give no further thought to them, for they have been found, and on whom is all Israel's desire fixed. So it's all of Israel uh, pushing that uh, unified Israel agenda. If not on you and on all of your, all of your ancestral house, so uh, endorsing not just Saul but uh, Jonathan's line as well, who is spliced in after Saul. Saul answered, "I am only a Benjaminite from the least of the tribes of Israel, and my father is the humblest of all families of the tribe of Benjamin." So addressing concerns uh, that Ephraim should be the tribe that rules over. Uh, Israel, and that's that was the tribe and the Elois source that was being pushed, and so Anna is going to have to justify the tribe of Benjamin, uh, who doesn't seem to have much status among the tribes, and uh, so this is N's way of doing that. He's he's admitting it head on. Yeah, it's 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 weird that uh, someone from the tribe of Benjamin would would be picked, but uh, they've been picked nonetheless. Why then have you spoken to to me in this way? Then Samuel took Saul and his servant boy and brought them into the hall and gave them a place at the head of those who had been invited, of whom there were about thirty. And Samuel said to the cook, Bring the portion I gave you, the one I asked you to put aside. The cook took up the thigh and what went in and what went with it and set them before Saul. Samuel said, See what was kept is set before you eat for it is set before you at the appointed time so that you may eat with the guests so Anne is really stressing here that saul did in fact eat with the guest uh even though he was he was late to the uh the to the festival or whatever the sacrifice or whatever you want to call it he was able to eat with them because the portion his portion had been set set aside ahead of time so saul ate with samuel that day when they came down from the shrine into the into the town, a bed was spread for Saul on the roof, and he lay down to sleep. Then at the break of dawn, Samuel called to Saul upon the roof, Get up, so that I may send you on your way. Saul got up, and both he and Samuel went into the, into the street. As they were going to the outskirts of the town, Samuel said to Saul, Tell the boy to go on before us, and when he has passed on, stop here for, uh, yourself for a while, that I may make known to you the word of Elohim. All right, so here is uh, Anne's addressing one of the criticisms is that nobody knew about this uh, about this endorsement of Samuel of Saul, and Anne's going to explain that because it was done in secret and uh, nobody had witnessed it, so that's why nobody knew. This also ties into the Samuel cycle, which I talked about in the previous episode, and that uh, Anne really. Uh, pushes the idea that there was a unified Israel under Samuel, and then that way, when he gets to the Saul cycle, Samuel kind of endorses Saul, and so the whole unified Israel thing then goes to Saul. Samuel took a, vi a vial of oil and poured it on his head and kissed him. He said, Yahweh has anointed you rule over his people Israel. So Yahweh, Yahweh's people is Israel. 
you shall reign over the people of Yahweh. Again, really pushing that the, the idea that Yahweh is uh, Israel's God. And you will save them from the hand of their enemies all around. And this, uh, this ties in with the aspect of uh, Saul ruling over all of Israel. The idea that he, uh, he attacked enemies on all sides kind of indebts all of the tribes to Saul and his descendants. And it promotes the idea that Saul reigned over, uh, reigned over all of Israel and not just part of it. Now this shall be the sign to you that Yahweh has anointed you ruler over his heritage. When you depart from me today, you will meet two men by Rachel's tomb in the territory of Benjamin at Zelzah. They will say to you, the donkeys that you went to seek are found, and now your father, making sure they know it's his father, uh, Kish is his father, has stopped worrying about them and is worrying about you, saying, what shall I do about my son? Again, making sure it's they know Saul is Kish's son. Then you shall go on from there further and come to the oak of, of Tabor. Three men going up to uh, Elohim at Bethel will meet you there, one carrying three kids, uh, kid, kid, kid as a goat, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you shall accept from them. After that, you shall come to Gibeath Elohim at the place where the Philistine garrison is garrison is there as you come to the town you will meet a band of prophets coming down from the shrine with harp uh, tambourine flute and lyre playing in front of them they will be in a prophetic uh, frenzy so i just i just realized this this may be uh, like an endorsement by referring to prophets and elohim and bethel that they weren't they weren't seers there were there were prof prophets around them uh, just like samuel was a prophet then the spirit of yahweh Again, make sure that everyone knows uh, the God behind Saul and Israel is Yahweh. The Spirit of Yahweh will possess you, and you will be in a prophetic frenzy along with them, and he and be turned into a different person. Again, addressing that uh, that the son of Kish and Saul were two different people, and and is saying, no, 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 no. It's just metaphorical. It's uh, it's like he's a different person. Now, when these signs meet you, do whatever you, uh, you see fit to do, for Elohim is with you. And again, equating Elohim with Yahweh. As he turned away to leave uh, Samuel, Elohim gave him another heart. So again, uh, addressing the two identities, son of Kish and Saul are one person here. And it might, maybe it seems like he was a different person, but really uh, God had just given him a different heart. And all these signs were for, uh, fulfilled that day. When they were going from there to Gibeah, a band of prophets met, uh, met him, and the spirit of Elohim possessed him, and he fell into a prophetic uh, frenzy along with them. Now remember, when Samuel was talking about it, it was a spirit of uh, Yahweh. So again, equating Yahweh with Elohim. When all who knew him before, before saw how he prophesied with the prophets, the people said to one another, What has come over the son of Kish? So again, making sure that people know that Saul is the son of Kish. Is Saul also among the prophets? Now here, I think it may have something to do here with the idea that there was no king over the tribes of Israel before. There was a line of uh, prophets, uh, probably from the tribe of Ephraim. And so if Saul's gonna rule over the tribes of Israel, then he has to deal with him not being a prophet. 
And so this may explain, this may be a criticism that was of Saul saying, well, is he a prophet? Is he also among the prophets? And so Anna is spinning that and saying, oh, well, that saying is because this happened, that he actually did prophesy. When his prophetic frenzy had ended, he went, he went home. Saul's uncle said to him and the boy, where did you go? And he replied, to seek the donkeys. And when we saw that, that they were not to be found, we went to Samuel. Saul's uncle said, tell me what Samuel said to you. Saul said to his uncle, he told us that the donkeys had been found, but about the matter of the kingship of which Samuel had spoken, he did not tell him anything. So again, addressing the criticism of the opposing narrative, saying that there was no record of this Samuel uh, anointing Saul or endorsing Saul or anything like that. And En's response is, is to say, well, it was done in secret and Saul didn't, didn't tell anyone. And uh, so this, this uncle person may have been a source of criticism. And so this is an explaining on why his uncle didn't know. Now, Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had been grievously oppressing the Gadites and the Reubenites. He would, he would gouge out the right eye of each of them and would not grant Israel a deliverer. No one was left of the Israelites across the Jordan. Uh, whose right eye Nahash, king of the Ammonites, had not gouged out. But there were 7,000 men who had, had escaped from the Ammonites and had entered Jabesh Gilead. Uh, okay, so this uh, portion is not in uh, earlier manuscripts or later manuscripts. It's not in some manuscripts. And so it may not be original to the narrative. Uh, I can guess that perhaps uh, the purpose of this uh, section is to include more of the Transjordan tribes. So in the original, it's just the city of uh, Jabesh Gilead, but uh, which has a limited effect in terms of, of, of Saul's influence. Uh, but if if it's the Gada, if there's some Gadites and some Reubenites that were also in that city, now they are also indebted to Saul's reign, reign as well. About a month later, Nahash the Ammonite went up and besieged Jabash Gilead, and all the men of Jabash said to Nahash, Make a treaty with us, and we will serve you. But Nahash the Ammonite said to them, On this condition I will make a treaty with you, namely that I gouge out everyone's eye, and thus put disgrace upon all Israel. Alright, so these... Uh, these Transjordan tribes are seem to especially be hard to keep within the uh, the Israel all of Israel fold here, and so uh, and uh, stressing on them in this in his narrative because he wants to include them in, in the kingdom of Jonathan. So by saying that uh, disgracing this city is going to disgrace all of Israel, it infers that uh, there was a united Israel. The elders of Jabesh said to him, Give us seven days respite that we may send messengers th throughout all the territory of Israel. So again, the city is uh, asking all of Israel, which is inferred, which infers that there was a united Israel. Then if there is no one to save us, we will give ourselves up to you. When the messengers came to Gibeah of Saul, they reported the matter, the matter in the hearing of the people, and all the people wept aloud. Now Saul was coming from the field behind the oxen, and Saul said, What is the matter with the people that they are weeping? So they told him the message from the inhabitant, inhabitants of Jabesh. The spirit of Elohim came upon Saul in power, in, in power when he heard these words, and his anger was greatly kindled. He took a yoke of oxen and cut them in pieces and sent them throughout all, 
all the territory of Israel by messengers saying, whoever does not come out after Saul and Samuel, uh, so shall it be done to his oxen. So this may have been a uh, known quote and the opposing narrative was using as a criticism against the, uh, the reign of Saul saying that, uh, hey, he threatened everyone uh, to, to make them like cut up oxen if they didn't join his kingdom. So this guy's kind of an asshole. And so N is going to spin that and put that in a different context and say, uh, no, no, he said that because he was trying to help his fellow Israelites. He wanted them to, uh, you know, fight off the Ammonites for the city over on the Transjordan. And notice he also uh, attributes, attributes the, the spirit of Elohim as causing Saul to say this. Uh, so uh, this kind of endorses it as, okay, well, Elohim is the God of Israel and so... Uh, it must have been okay. The dread of Yahweh fell upon the people and they came out as one. So it's really stressing that united Israel. They said to the messengers who had come, thus you shall say to the inhabitants of Jabesh Gilead, tomorrow by this time the sun is hot, you shall have deliverance. When the messengers came and told the inhabitants of Jabesh, they rejoiced. So the inhabitants uh, of Jabesh said, tomorrow we will give ourselves up to you and you may do to us whatever seems good to you. The next day Saul put the people in three companies. At the morning watch they came into the camp and cut down the Ammonites until the heat of the day. And those who survived were scattered so that no two of them were left together. So big military victory for the United Israelites, uh, which Anne is hoping to use to inspire uh, the uh, readers to sign up for the United uh, United Israelite Army, uh, so that they can have a strong military force as well. The people said to Samuel, "Who is it that said, sh- uh, sh- shall Saul reign over us? Give them to us, so that we may put them to death." But Saul said, "No one shall be put to to death this day, for today Yahweh has brought the deliverance." Uh, to Israel. So again, Yahweh is a strong war God. And this uh, may also be explaining the phrase, shall Saul reign over us. So this may have been a known phrase and the opposing narrative was using that as a criticism of Saul. And so N is putting that into a different context and spinning that and making making Saul look good. He's so merciful. He didn't kill these people that said that phrase. And so that phrase is stuck around because he didn't kill them. Saul chose 3,000 out of Israel, 2,000 were with Saul in Michmash in the hill country of Bethel, and 1,000 were with Jonathan in Gibeah of Benjamin. So here we are introduced uh, to Jonathan, and this may have been an explanation as to the, uh, the division of forces. So in the opposing narrative, it was saying that Jonathan and Saul were opposing armies. And so, but N's going to spin that and say, oh, well, that's just only because he divided his forces. Uh, in the opposing narrative, Jonathan is not the son of Saul. And so it looks like they were enemies, as we'll see a little bit later. And N is, is, is spinning that and saying, no, it's, it's Jonathan is the son of Saul. And they had separate armies because that's the way they divided them. Uh, the rest of the people he sent home to their tents. So it could have been perhaps a criticism saying that uh, Saul had a small army so that that 
How could there have been a unified Israel? How could he have reigned over all of Israel if his army was so small? And so Anne's going to explain that by saying he sent, uh, you know, he sent most people home. Jonathan defeated the garrison at the Philistines. Uh, Jonathan defeated the garrison of the Philistines that was at uh, Geba, and the Philistines heard of it. And Saul blew the trumpet throughout all the land, saying, Let the Hebrews hear. When all, all Israel, there's that unified Israel again. When all Israel heard that Saul had defeated the garrison of the Philistines, and also that Israel had become odious to the Philistines, all the people followed uh, with trembling. So all, everyone is under the reign of Saul. Saul... His son, Jonathan, so this is the first of the stressing that uh, Jonathan was his son because the opposing narrative was saying he wasn't his son. And the people who were present with him stayed in Geba of Benjamin, but the Philistines encamped at uh, Michmash, 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 and raiders came out of the camp of the Philistines, Philistines in three companies. One company turned toward uh, Ophrah to the land of Shual, another company turned toward Beth Haran, and another company turned toward the mountain that looks down upon the valley of Zeboim toward the wilderness. One day, Jonathan, son of Saul, making sure that everybody knows that it was his son, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. His armor-bearer said to him, Do all that your mind inclines to do. I am, I am with you as your mind is, so is mine. All right, and so in this section of the text, uh, Anne is going to be taking the victory over this garrison uh, from the armor-bearer and, put, and putting that victory as Jonathan's victory. So in the opposing narrative, it was saying it was the armor-bearer who had killed all these Philistines. And N is going to be inserting Jonathan into this uh, victory. Then Jonathan said, Now we will cross over to those men and will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand in our place and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up to them. We will go up, for Yahweh has given them into our hand. Yahweh is a strong war god. That will be the sign for us. So both Jonathan and the armor bearer, not just the armor bearer, both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines. The men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer, saying, Come up to us and we will show you something. Jonathan Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me, for Yahweh has given them into the hand of Israel. Again, Yahweh is the strong God of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet with his armor bearer following after him. So the armor bearer is behind him. He's not going to be the hero of this story. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer coming after him killed them. So get this. And admits that the armor bearer does kill the Philistines. But... Uh, he's going to put Jonathan in front of the armor bearer and uh, Jonathan, I guess, knocks him down so that the armor bearer can kill him. So it wasn't it wasn't the armor bearer that that you know had this great victory. It was Jonathan. The armor bearer just came along behind him and, and just stuck him after Jonathan knocked him to the ground. In that first slaughter, Jonathan and his armor bearer killed about 20 men within an area of half a furrow long in an anchor of land. There was a panic in the camp, in the field, and among all the people. Unified Israel. 
Uh, the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked. Uh, so that's not necessarily earthquake. earthquake. It's um, just saying that the everyone in the land, everyone in the land was was quaking, was uh, afraid, and it became a very great panic. Then Saul and all the people who were with him rallied and went into the battle, and every sword was against the other, so that there was very great confusion. Uh, so this may be similar to the Gideon episode and where there was a fight amongst an army and uh, N is going to make that so uh, that, that the credit is given to the Israelites for that victory, even though it was kind of a civil war. Now Saul committed a very rash act on that day. So this is a, an overall good picture of Saul and is going to bash uh, Saul a little bit here in order to protect Jonathan. So Saul committed a very rash act that day. He had laid an oath on the troops saying, uh, Cursed be anyone who eats food before it is evening, and I have avenged, avenged on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. All the troops came upon a honeycomb, and there was honey on the ground. When the troops came upon the honeycomb, the honey was dripping out, but they did not put their hands to their mouths, for they feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the, the troops with the oath. So he extended the staff that was in his hand and dipped the tip of it in the honeycomb and put his hand to his mouth and his eyes brightened. Saul said, Elohim do so to me and, and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people... Uh, so, okay, so the opposing narrative was saying that Saul had, had killed Jonathan. They were opposing... They had opposing armies, and it looks like Saul uh, got the upper hand and killed Jonathan. Now, that doesn't mean he killed all of Jonathan's descendants, and so his descendants are trying to uh, reestablish or establish a kingship over all of Israel. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great victory in Israel? Far from it. As Yahweh lives, not one hair on, of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with Elohim today. So again, and is uh, equating Yahweh with Elohim. So the people ransomed Jonathan, and he did not die. So directly countering the idea that Jonathan was killed. Uh, and it's going to state explicitly that he did not die. Then Jonathan withdrew from pursuing the Phil or then Saul withdrew from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side. Uh, so again, this is this is endorsing the idea that Saul reigned over all of Israel because he fought all the enemies on every side and all you know all those sides are indebted to him uh, against Moab against Ammonites against Edom against the kings of Zobah and against the Philistines wherever wherever he turned he routed them so those are, that's that's the enemies on all sides of Israel he did valiantly and struck down the Amalekites and rescued Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Okay, so that's it for the Saul cycle. Saul looks pretty, uh, is shown in a pretty good light there. Uh, Jonathan has a strong role in this cycle. I, you know, I almost wonder if it should be called the Jonathan cycle because it's really about uh, promoting the line of Jonathan or the uh, the idea of a kingship of 
kingship of Jonathan. So I really hope you guys enjoyed this uh, series. It was a lot of fun to research. It was a lot of work to put together. If you want to help me do more of this type of thing, you can go to my website, mirrorreading.com and uh, go to the support page and you can support me financially if you like. So I can do this more often. I can get better resources. Maybe I could even have someone uh, edit my podcast so they can remove the the ums and uh, uhs out of my speech. And if you can't uh, support me financially, please share, uh, share, share my podcast episodes. Be sure to check out the corresponding blog post for uh, each of these cycles and you can share those as well. Uh, if you have questions, I'd be happy to answer those for you. Maybe I could do a, a Q&A episode sometime as well if I get enough questions. Uh, you can tweet at me at, uh, at Scriptura on Twitter. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please take uh, a moment to leave me a five-star review on iTunes. That will help my iTunes ranking and more people can uh, learn about mirror reading. So thanks so much for listening. I really appreciate your, uh, your support. I uh, appreciate all the interactions uh, I get on uh, Twitter and uh, email and wherever else you may contact me. Uh, really appreciate you guys letting me know that you enjoy this stuff. So hopefully the next cycle or the next uh, narrative I'll be looking at will be Elijah and Elisha. Uh, that'll be the last of the core, the kernels, last of the kernels. So every, all the other sources will, will build upon those kernels, including the Yahwist. However, I mean, it may be some time I, to, before I can do that. I have other uh, priorities in my life, so I can't spend a whole lot of time, although Elijah and Elisha will be shorter, so it won't take as much time. But uh, it may be three to six months before I can uh, put that out. Uh, I'll try to do a uh, episode of uh, in between there. Uh, hopefully an interview of someone I think you would enjoy hearing from. So with all that said, thanks again. Thanks for listening. Have a great day. Okay.